Episode 63 of Bustin' Loose Baseball. We've got a special guest today, Jackson Rutledge, right-handed pitching prospect in the Nats system, who was just bumped up to AAA. Speaking of the team's prospects, two of them are going to the Futures game, and they both homered on Thursday night. We'll discuss those two sluggers and the upcoming series against the Philadelphia Phillies, all on Bustin' Loose Baseball Up 63, which starts right now. Bust and Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball, episode 63. I'm Grant Paulson, joined as always by my pal, Toby Altizer. What's up, Tobe? Nothing much. It was good catching up with Jackson Rutledge, which you're going to hear in just a little bit. So it was cool to have a conversation with him. And obviously, the guys go into the Futures game. So a lot of good things happening in the minor league system. And then on top of that, the Nats are going to be adding either Paul Skeens or Dylan Cruz in a couple weeks. So pretty excited about the Nats minor league prospects right now. Yeah, you are not kidding. Let's start with the two guys who are going to the Futures game. James Wood, two for four with a run scored on Thursday night. That run came on a home run where he drove in a pair. Uh, James Wood going to show off the skills in Seattle as a top five prospect in all of baseball. This is going to be such a treat for Nationals fans to get to watch him on national TV, taking on some really elite pitching, some of the best arms in minor league baseball, and he's earned this. A 272 average and 909 OPS, despite spending the majority of his 68 games this year in the minors at A plus ball in Wilmington, one of the least hitter friendly circuits in the minor leagues. And at a 972 OPS with eight home runs, you wouldn't have known that the dimensions and the way that that ballpark plays are so unfriendly. But in 26 games since being called up to double A, he's got an 800 OPS. He's got five homers in his first 95 at bats. He's just 20 years old. You wouldn't know it by watching him, huh? Yeah, I mean, he looks like a guy that has a sky-high ceiling. And, you know, we were at that first game that he homered for the first time in A. Took him a couple games to get accustomed to the new level. And then since then, been playing incredibly well once again. So I think it's just the sort of thing where he's just going to quickly go through it, slowly learn at each level, and then quickly explode onto the scene like he has now in A. So... I'm excited for him. I mean, every time you see a highlight of his, you can't help but think that the ceiling is sky high. You can't hope but dream about him being a superstar for the Nationals going forward. And, I mean, we've talked about this trade plenty with the Soto trade, but if some of these guys can work out, you know, Hassel struggled a little bit, but I still have faith in him. Obviously, Gore and Abrams in the major leagues doing their thing but James Wood looks like he might have the highest ceiling out of all of these guys including a guy in Gord that I think could end up being an ace so it's been really cool to see him and it's awesome that he's getting the recognition by going to the Futures game no doubt about it uh Brady House will be with him at the Futures game you knew James Wood would be there that was a no-brainer I didn't know House would be there so that's really exciting uh he went three for four and scored twice hit a home run himself drove in two runs on Thursday night at Wilmington uh, taking on um, uh, who are they playing? Let's see. I'll have to look that up, but Wilmington um, on Thursday night. And that means he's now 15 for 43. I believe it is 
Uh, let me get these numbers, actually. Three for four. He's hitting 349 in A-plus ball now with the Blue Rocks. On the season for Brady House, he's hitting 310 with a 900 OPS going into the game, so it's now over 900. And I'm going to look up the exact number. So he is 15 for 42 at the plate in A-plus ball since being promoted. He's on fire. He's seeing the ball well. He hit another ball to dead center. Now, he's not hitting all these 400-foot homers like James Wood is, but a couple of the recent home runs for him to dead center field. Looks like he's getting hot at the right time to go do some damage at the Futures game as well. I think this is a case of if he can stay healthy, then he's going to be a very good player. I don't know that you can put him on the same level as a James Wood of a guy that's going to possibly be a superstar, but I think he's going to be a really good player for this organization, and it's about health. I mean, the reason he dropped out of top 100 prospect rankings last year was some injury concerns and him struggling because of those injuries, and then he came back, and really since he's been able to stay in the lineup consistently, they've had to kind of take him out of the lineup every other day, you know, kind of monitor his playing time, but when he's been on the field, he's been productive for the most part. He had a little bit of a down stretch, but now he's doing well again as he got promoted to high A. So I think the thing for Brady House is just health. And if he can stay healthy, I have all the faith in the world that this guy can be an everyday third baseman for this organization and probably a pretty good one at that. He was the 11th pick two years ago at the All-Star break in 2021. So sub two years after he's drafted. He's almost now ready for double A. Now I was thinking about this, and, and you and I may have even been talking about this, but I was talking to someone about this this week. You look at, ahead to next year, 2024 for the Nationals. You're going to have the return of Cade Cavalli in the rotation coming back from Tommy John. Right? It looks like Mackenzie Gore is the real deal. He'll have no restrictions in terms of pitches and innings, and he'll be a veteran and hopefully healthy and, and maybe throw in like a front of the rotation starter. We've seen a big step forward for Josiah Gray. He'll be in the rotation next year. You're probably going to see the graduation of James Wood if you don't already see him debut this year, but he's going to be starting every day at some point for the Nationals next season. Uh, you're also going to see uh, a graduation maybe of uh, Jackson Rutledge later this year, but he'll be a fixture at the big league level next year. Jake Bennett, who they drafted in the second round at Oklahoma last year, probably going to be in the big leagues. Cole Henry will be in the big leagues next year. And I think if they draft Paul Skeens, he'll be in the big leagues starting in June or July. Uh, if they draft Dylan Cruz, he'd be in the big leagues probably later, but next year by the end of the season. Like, you know, we thought about this process, and it's not like we haven't been patient. Since 2020, this team stunk at the big league level, and you've had to wear it as a fan. But next year already, just next season, all the things I just talked about that are so exciting, right? Like the, the closest thing this team has to Ellie De La Cruz mania, James Wood getting called up, Cruz or Skeens getting called up, um, seeing Cavalli come back. Bennett going to debut like there's a lot of things that are closing in now on next year and it's pretty exciting yeah it's gonna be an exciting year next year because you think about the fact that the way you've watched games this seasons or at least the kind of the way I have is when it's gore or it's gray on the mound you're dialed in you want to watch and see how they're doing see how they're developing and then if they're not on the mound it's When's C.J. Abrams up to bat? When is Cabert Ruiz up to bat? When's Luis Garcia? Not to say I'm not watching the other guys. I'm still paying attention, but you perk up just a little bit to see how these young guys are doing. It's going to be a lot more fun when you've got guys all throughout the order, all throughout the rotation, that you're really perked up to see, all right, how good is this guy going to be for this organization going forward? And again, you know, we talk about this Soto trade all the time, but some of these guys are going to be coming up to the major league level. And that's the reason you got that Rizzo did this deal. You know, it kind of accelerated this rebuild to the point, like you said, 
you know, if they don't do that deal, maybe we're still looking a couple years down the road. But there's excitement with James Wood, obviously, Gore and uh, Abrams at the major league level already. But I, I think the fact that next year could be a year that we're looking at a lot of prospects already coming to the major leagues and kind of evaluating on that aspect, I'm pretty excited about that because it for a while there, it seemed pretty dire. Like we might be stuck in this for quite some time, but now it looks like we're getting towards the end, or at least what we hope is the end. But the excitement of these prospects is definitely growing. A couple other minor league notes on the system really quick before we throw to our Jackson Rutledge interview. Another three hits and two runs for Jake Alou hitting leadoff at AAA Rochester on Thursday night. A 324 average for him now at AAA. He has been killing the ball. He had three hits, I think, in 13 at-bats when he got called up earlier this year. Didn't get to play a lot. That was probably difficult sitting on the bench and watching and sparsely getting used. But when they trade Jamer Candelario, and I think it is a when, not an if, uh, around the deadline, you'd imagine he'd be the guy in line to get called up to start at third base and get some at-bats. I don't think of him as a, a future fixture, everyday player on a first-division Nats team, but I do think he can swing it a little bit. He's kind of a gamer and scrappy guy, and you're going to get the most out of him, everything he's got. I think he'll be a nice bench player for them when they're in the playoffs. Blake Rutherford went one for four on Thursday. His average fell to 400 in AAA. This is a former first-round pick, Toby, with the Yankees by way of the White Sox, who's actually been one of their best players in the minor leagues this year. If you look at the numbers, like James Woods got an OPS around 900 for the season or higher. Uh, so does Brady House. We mentioned both of those guys are going – to the futures game. The other guy in this system, though, that's that's up there offensively in terms of some power production and numbers like that is Blake Rutherford. 160 at bats, 10 home runs, a 350 average, and a 1037 OPS in the minors for the Nats. He is 26, so he's not young. He's played at the high levels of the minors a lot. Uh, he's played in the, with Charlotte and AAA for multiple seasons in 21 and 22. So it's, it's not surprising that he was killing the ball in AA, but Man, I mean, he just keeps on raking. It's it's becoming a thing here. Yeah, and these are the kind of guys that you might see later on in the year, whether they decide to try and move on from Corey Dickerson or Derek Hill doesn't pan out or if they were to move Lane Thomas or something like that. These are the kind of guys that you would expect to see called up. So, I mean, sometimes you have these picks, and I talked about it with Elijah Green on our last podcast. Sometimes you have these first-round picks that just – don't really pan out with their first team and then find something with another team. Not saying that Rutherford's going to turn into a superstar here and, you know, maybe turn into that first rounder that the Yankees thought they would, but sometimes you just find something. So hopefully that's the case. And it's good that we're talking about this minor league in a positive sense for once, because for a long time, it was not the case. Yeah. Good couple of days in the system. Trey Lipscomb, who is in the same double a Harrisburg lineup as Robert Hasselbatt and lead off and James Wood hitting third, uh, Lipscomb's a guy maybe we haven't talked about a lot on the pod, just a little bit, but he's actually born originally in Frederick, Maryland in the area. He was a third round pick out of Tennessee last year. Uh, just this past summer, a year ago, he was the 84th pick in the draft. He's 23. I saw him a bunch at Fredericksburg uh, after the draft last year. I like the bat, uh, a lot. Uh, he, problem is I don't think there's a plus tool. I think he can hit a little bit. I think he can hit uh, for a little bit of power. Uh, he's played third base and I think he will be good defensively, frankly. But it's seven home runs, seven steals right now, average about 270, OPS at 725. But I bring him up because since being promoted to double A, he's really handled himself well and is hitting 311 now in double A. So that's a really good sign for a guy who was a third round pick last year. Uh, otherwise, another two hits and a run scored for Jeremy De La Rosa, the right fielder, the cleanup batter in Wilmington's lineup behind Brady House. 
Uh, first month of the season, really, really brutal for him. But if you look at his production, basically since he got it going in May on, it's been a different season and, you know, really a second straight year where he looks like a legitimate prospect in this system. So it's just good to see that, that they are getting production and some big time uh, performances from some of their specifically offensive players in the system these last few days. Bang, zoom. One of the pitchers who's having a very good year is Jackson Rutledge. He was awesome in double-A, got promoted to triple-A, made his first start, which we talked about in this conversation. Uh, here was our chat with Rutledge. And we are joined by Jackson Rutledge, now 24 years old and one call away from the major leagues after making his triple-A debut this week. Jackson, thanks for joining us on Bustin' Loose Baseball. Yeah, thanks for having me. What a season it's been for you so far, man. What the last couple of years, really, is your – You've been healthy. You've been able to just stay on the mound and pitch, and you're starting to climb pretty quickly through the minors. You know, last year I got to see a bunch in Fredericksburg, and while you were really good at times in Fredericksburg because of your age and a couple years removed from first round, I think a lot of people just wanted to see at higher levels. And this year you've been able to pitch at double A and now triple A. You've thrown really well, having one of your best years in the minors, ERA in the threes, over 70 innings, and now 206 batting average. So, I guess let's just start with how you're feeling about your season so far. Yeah, I've been I've been happy with it so far. I think um, you know, kind of getting into Double A is is where games I guess start to mean a little bit more. Um, wins and losses start to matter, um, and so for me it was you know kind of every fifth or sixth day being able to go out um, and compete to my best ability, and that's what I've done, um, giving my team a chance to win every time, and. Um, you know, I know wins and losses uh, and records for pitchers don't really matter as much as they used to. But um, for me, that's kind of something I take pride in is is uh, getting my team going and excited to win a game and, and feeling like every time out there that that we have a chance. Well, and you just got the call up to AAA. What was that experience like? Yeah, it was exciting. It was a, it was a bit of a whirlwind. Um, you know, kind of first day going to the clubhouse and meeting a bunch of guys for the first time and then going out and pitching was a little bit odd. And, um, definitely a couple different rule changes, different baseball, uh, got the pitch comms, um, and the, the auto zone last night was a bit odd. Got to adjust to that, but, um, yeah, very exciting. And, um, you know, looking forward to, to continuing on with it. So I actually want to get into some of those rule changes and differences, but real quick, let's just talk about the outing, uh, three and two thirds. You only gave up two hits. So uh, here you are kind of still unhittable, uh, but because of some walks, I think you had six walks. You ended up giving up more runs than you have in most of your outings in double A. Was it a matter of kind of getting used to the baseball or a little bit of everything with the automated strike zone? Or did you just, you know, even if you were still in double A on a night like last night, do you feel like you would have had some walks because you didn't have the best stuff? Or what was the uh, story last night? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's there's plenty of excuses I could use. Uh, the baseball, the the strike zone, the, the different hitters, um, being more patient. But at the end of the day, I got to throw – I got to throw more strikes is what it is. Um, and so we got to make the adjustments and got to get used to pitching at this level, um, using that baseball and, uh, you know, continuing to, to I guess, just uh, refine where my sights are and, and um, attack the zone earlier. I got I just got behind way too often. And, um, you know, that's not a recipe for success for anybody. So um, even even how good my stuff was and, and only got two hits and um, really only hit one ball hard, um, I think you know, just, just attacking early and, and getting ahead is going to be going to be the key to it. Well, and how much of that is, you know, you mentioned both the ball and the strike zone, which one's harder to adjust to? Cause obviously with, 
with a strike zone and working with an umpire, you can kind of figure out which side of the plate maybe you can get a little extra and, you know, maybe he's squeezing you a little bit. But with the automated strike zone, it's kind of set what it is. Which one's the more difficult to adjust to getting into AAA now? Well, I think the strangest thing about the the auto, automatic strike zone is that um, you can't really ask where the pitch missed. Because um, I asked the umpire after the first inning, hey, where that curveball missed? And he said, I have no idea. <laughs> so um, it, it's, it's a bit odd um, because you, you kind of feel out the zone throughout the game. You go, hey, was that down? And he goes, no, that was, that was away. And you go, okay, I can adjust to that and and, and figure it out like that. But um I think that's that's going to be something that's interesting. Obviously, it's unique to this level at this point. Um, and even, you know, the second half of the series, you, you get a real umpire. Um, so it's it's something to adjust to. I think the baseball is just going to take a little bit uh, of time, a couple of days of playing catch. I'm not too worried about that. Um, but just I got to adjust. You guys are doing the automated system fully electronic, not a challenge system, right? On – Weekday games is is what I believe. So, okay, but then weekends is still umpires. Umpires with a challenge, yes. Oh, okay. So it is challenge system. Interesting. So I, I guess I can't ask you yet which one you prefer. But more generally, I mean, as a baseball fan and as a pitcher, do you like the idea ultimately of electronic strike zone, or do you enjoy the human error element with the umpires? I prefer to throw to a real umpire but i do like the idea of a challenge um i think that's in in the clubhouse that's the majority of the people like the uh um the the real umpire and i think uh you know they talk about walks being up in triple a this year and i think you know obviously that's the the tuesday wednesday thursday games is all the walks are up because of um more patient hitters because they know those kind of like 50 50 balls are always going to be a ball um, and so it's, 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 I think it's going to eventually make the game a little bit more boring to watch if those walks are up, which is kind of the whole point of why we added the pitch clock is to make it more exciting and put more balls in play. Um, but you know, obviously it's small sample size, so we'll see how it works out. Well, and you had your first time pitching with it last night. Did it feel like every pitch was perfect? Did it feel like maybe there were a couple that you thought were strikes didn't get called or were you getting anything on the black? Was it pretty black and white how'd you feel about it yeah I thought um really the up and down stuff was the challenge for me because you know it changes based on a hitter's height um so I couldn't really tell where the top of the zone was and so that's something that I got to learn um how to gauge and how to how to adjust to um definitely I obviously wasn't getting half a ball off a ball off like you would um in a double a game but that's you know what big league umpires are are going to call anyway so it, that doesn't really matter but um i think just kind of figuring out where the zone is uh is the important thing maybe it's just my general annoyance with umpires but if you ask a guy hey where did that miss like give me an answer dude cuz he he's doing his tough guy like i asked the robot i this isn't a human thing anymore they they fired me so he's doing his tough guy routine i don't know where it missed jackson i can't answer that just answer bro <laughs> like that that's annoying to me well i think the the one i asked last night he legitimately didn't know <laughs> like so, he thought maybe it was a strike or or just like i think so it was a curveball yeah. he said maybe it was up maybe it was in i'm not really sure but um you know that's that's part of it jackson rutledge nats pitching prospects so toby and i actually got to see in person a couple weeks ago we went and saw uh harrisburg and Bowie uh when you were pitching in that game we we went and saw uh james wood and 
and the fellas come through town. He had a home run in that game. So it was cool to get to see you recently. I mean, you've been throwing the ball really well. Uh, for Nats fans who haven't seen you, you just give us an update on kind of the, the pitches you're using right now, the velocities, and kind of what the repertoire looks like at this moment. Yeah, the uh, the four seam and the two seam, um, kind of mixing those uh, in the you know ninety four to ninety six range usually. Uh, change ups uh, been a big pitch for me at uh, around the eighty eight mark, and then um, slider is um, starting to really come together. I think even this last outing, I threw some good ones that were um, you know kind of eighty six, eighty seven, hopefully. And then uh, I've kind of added in a curveball um, towards the beginning of the season um, around the the eighty mark. And you've seemed to really turn a corner this season and get things really figured out. You obviously pitch really well at Double A now in Triple A. What do you think's been the difference this year for you to allow you to turn that corner? I think my body feels so much better, and I'm so much more aware of how I'm moving and, and what I'm doing. Um, just you know, being able to make in-game adjustments um, pretty quickly uh, has been important for me, and and uh, you know how my how my lower half is functioning has improved a ton using my legs more. Um, getting, you know, less rotational with upper body and, and getting my arm on time has been um, just allowed me to, you know, be healthy and continue to work on stuff even between starts and, and not really be that sore. And um, obviously making every appearance, um, making every start other than the one that I was ill for, but we won't, uh, uh, we won't count that one. But um, yeah, it's just been, I've been able to compete at uh, to the best of my ability every time out. Was that off-season program stuff that you worked on with the legs? And uh, do, do you kind of credit yourself and maybe someone that you went to? Or is that Nats system folks that have really ironed those things out with you? Like, give me an idea of what you've improved and how. Yeah, I think it's a combination of everything. Um, I mean, the past two years I've had Joel Hanrahan uh, and Fred Fredericksburg and then in, in Harrisburg this year. And, you know, he's he's been a big help to me. Um I think we, we worked well together and uh, he was able to kind of just keep me in check and, and make sure I'm, I'm, I'm moving correctly. And I definitely made a lot of big adjustments this off season um, as far as, you know, even just my wind up and my motion is a little bit different, a little bit starting closed off um, in order to get my back hip a little bit better. Um, just kind of really, really getting into, you know, what they call a hinge um, as, as I'm lifting my leg instead of uh, more of a squat where I'm getting out of my quad and getting into, into my glutes and all that and, 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 uh, getting down the mound, uh, more efficiently. And, um, yeah, I definitely have a lot of people to, um, uh, give credit to, but, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a combination. For listeners that aren't as familiar with you, Jackson, you're a six, eight guy, you're pretty tall. So how difficult is it? You mentioned going through some of these different things. How difficult is it to find that, delivery and have repeated mechanics being that tall having the longer levers long legs all those things how difficult is that and how difficult has it been for you to find that perfect motion so that you can stay healthy so that you can be effective as well yeah i, I, don't, I don't really think about um you know my size as being a, a contributing factor to being difficult um i think it you know it's just a little bit more of an advantage is what i think of it as um so for me it's, it's not really um, it's not really something that I kind of concern myself with. I know, um, it, it, it might play a factor. It might not, but, um, it's not really something I think about. 206 average against just unhittable this season at the two highest levels of the minors here and a 1.15 whip for Jackson Rutledge. 
He's had a really good season. So when we saw you, a couple things that stood out to me. You hide the ball really well. And you kind of talked about like um, some of the the changes you've made being closed off, but you kind of start really closed off. And then, you know, the ball's almost like behind you as you're coming to the plate with that size and that extension. I'd imagine I haven't seen the numbers, but based on your height, I'd imagine you have elite extension and it it looks like the ball's being released kind of out toward home plate. Um, That's number one. And number two, you pitched inside. Maybe it was just that game. Like a lot, you came up and in. I think you even hit a guy. Well, like it has to be the just an uncomfortable at bat, like petrifying at bat at times. Um, so thoughts on those two things? Have you always been that closed off and kind of deceptive? Like we were sitting right by my own plate, I couldn't really pick up the ball at all. So yeah, I, I think I have not been that closed off. Um, that was kind of an adjustment I made this off season. And the hiding the ball is almost more of a byproduct of, of the adjustment I made because it was more okay. a mechanical um, trying to get down the mound adjustment. And so um, the hiding the ball is definitely uh, also sort of a, a, a happy side effect. Um, as far as pitching in, you know, the goal that I have every at bat is to make somebody take a bad swing, to make somebody take an uncomfortable swing. It's not necessarily to get a swing and miss or to strike a guy out, it's to, you know, maybe I, I run a two seam into a righty and you take it off the hands. That's, that's the goal. Um, more so than, uh, letting them just take a comfortable swing. Um, and so, you know, hiding the ball definitely contributes to that, you know, going in off, um, definitely helps. Uh, I, I see myself as an old school type of guy. I like to, to move feet every once in a while. And I think that's sort of a lost art. Um, so that's, that's just my goal is try to make people take bad swings. Yeah. And so when we watched you, like, like Grant was saying, I mean, it's an intimidating at bat. You look intimidating being closed off. We talked about how in the majors, Giancarlo Stanton having that closed batting stance is almost more intimidating than some guys just because they have an open stance. You're intimidating on the mound being as tall as you are and then a closed thing. And so how aware are you that you can be a difficult at-bat? Because some people talked about, I think it might have been Roger Clemens a long time ago, talked about stepping into the box and facing pitching and saw 100 go by and realized it's kind of hard to hit that. And <laughs> how difficult is it, you know, how much have you seen that in yourself? Have you realized that, that, hey, man, I'm becoming more unhittable as I've gone through, so maybe I can trust my stuff a little bit more? Yeah, I think, um, you know, this year I've I've – kind of emphasize making sure that I'm going through my own scouting report before games. Uh, and so kind of knowing what pitches I can throw and be confident in um, has been important. And so, you know, kind of that second time, third or second or third time time through the lineup, um, it's almost like, let's see if they've made an adjustment to this, to whatever game plan that I've had. And if not, um, you know, continue to do it until they prove me, until they prove that they can make an adjustment. And so even, uh, you know, my last outing in double A, it was like raining, um, was having issues holding the ball. Um, it was super humid and I threw like 75% fastballs, um, because I could, because they weren't adjusting to it. Um, and so that's, you know, something where it's like, I don't have to be fancy. I don't have to flip curveballs in here because I can just go at them with my fastball and, and my sinker and, and still have success. And, you know, that's okay. That's great. And maybe, maybe another day I'll, I'll throw a bunch of sliders and, and they can't adjust to it and that's fine. Um, so it's, it's just about having, having confidence and in, in whatever pitch is working. 24 year old season for Jackson Rutledge just turned 24 
at the start of the campaign in April, won't be 25 until next year. So young for his level now at AAA and on the precipice of a big league call. We're going to see him in the majors this summer at some point. It looks like uh, based on the trajectory right now. You just said something about strikeouts, though, that I found interesting. You talked about your goal is really not to get a bunch of punch outs, but to get a bad swing, weak contact, which is the result, too. I mean, that's what's happening. That's what you're getting. It's interesting because for a, a first round pick and a top prospect, I think everyone, you know, I know just skimming through minor league box scores a lot of times. I'm guilty of this with pitchers. I'll look at like I, I look at ERA, but I got to be honest, I've been in ballparks where errors and hits like I, I don't know what people are thinking in the minor leagues sometimes. <laughs> and like the ERA numbers can be out of whack because of that. Or you could have one bad outing and seven really good ones and have a three and a half ERA or something. So I'm always looking for numbers that I care about. And I look at average against. I look at strikeout rate, things like that. Like this year, you've got fewer Ks than innings pitched. Similar, right right around nine, I think, 72 innings, 65 strikeouts. But like for you, I've kind of been saying that that isn't really all that telling or, or problematic. And I just, I'm curious, first of all, for a thought on that, but also like what numbers do you care about and do you take seriously? I mean, you referenced you, you do like wins and losses a little bit at the beginning of the conversation. You're six and one. Like what are the things individually that, uh, you consider a priority after a game you look at and say, okay, I did well because this number tells me so. Yeah, I think for me, the most important thing is innings pitched um, because that tells you that I was efficient. That tells you that um, you know I was pitching well enough and, and limiting runs, limiting base runners um, enough to get deep in the game. And, and almost every time it's going to tell you that we have a chance to win that game. Um, and so, and so it, for me, you know, trying to lead whatever team or whatever um, league I'm in and innings pitched is, is kind of a goal because, uh, you know, I want to be a, a workhorse type of a, a pitcher. And I think I have the ability to do that. I have the ability to, you know, maintain my stuff into the seventh, eighth inning. Um, and so all, I feel like all of my best outings have, have gone seven um, in, in, in this year and, and last also. Um, the other thing I'm, I'm looking at is uh, – ground ball percentage, um, you know, trying to get, get guys to hit the ball on the ground, um, especially with the sinker and the changeup um, combination that I'm using a lot. Um, and so just kind of limiting free bases, which, you know, something like we mentioned, I did not do well. Um, and, and just kind of getting through innings in, in um, low pitch counts. And what's been your favorite part so far about going through this minor league system and kind of working your way up now to AAA? Is there a memory that you've had going through this that maybe something clicked or maybe it was a great outing? What's been your favorite part so far going through all of this? Uh, I'd say my, my favorite part, honestly, was last year getting to, to play in a playoff game, um, getting to play in a, a, a game that, you know, matters a little bit, um, was, was kind of fun in, in Fredericksburg and, at home and, uh, you know, getting to see our team and the other team fired up and, and wanting to really compete. Uh, that was, that was the most fun that I've had. Definitely. You threw a gem in that game too. Really, really good uh, in that start. A uh, couple of other things we can bounce around minor league wise with you in a second and, and just about your off field exploits and what makes you tick. But I did want to get your thoughts on a couple of your teammates. who you've had a chance to see a lot of this year. I know you just got bumped up to triple a, but, at the double-A level, um, James Wood has been one of the talks of, of minor league baseball. He's going to the Futures game. Uh, he's almost your height. I mean, he's six foot six plus, and the guy can fly and play center field. 
What have you thought about getting to watch him every day for better part of a, a month and a half now? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is just freak athlete. Um, you know, we're, we're almost the same height. We're probably within an inch, half an inch, something like that. But his legs are so much longer than mine and his, his stride is absurd. Um, so, you know, he, he has the ability to, you know, get triples frequently, um, get those hustle doubles um, that a lot of guys that have his power do not have the ability to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, he hit the, the furthest ball I've probably ever seen. He hit the absolute top of the scoreboard in uh, Harrisburg. Um, that was that was incredibly impressive. And and really the most impressive thing about him is how consistent he is. If he strikes out twice in a game, he doesn't care. He's going to go out for that third at-bat, and he's just going to go get a hit. He's not going to be a guy that comes in and slams a helmet, um, you know, comes in and, and gets mad about the umpire. Oh, that, that was that was ball, whatever. Um which is super mature for how young he is. And so that's what I've, I've really been most impressed with. Well, and along those same lines, we, when we came out and saw you, I made this comment to Grant about Robert Hassel. I was like, this guy just looks like he's already been a pro for a couple of years. Is that the kind of the vibe you get from him as well? Cause he just seems like a guy that goes about his business. He's very professional about everything. And, you know, obviously he's been having a little bit of struggles this year, but he hit a whole three run home run the other day, but it just seems like a guy that is going to be a pro for a long, long time. What were your thoughts on him? Definitely. Yeah, definitely um, professional. I don't think there's a doubt in his mind that he's um, going to have a good day every time he shows to, up to the park. Um, you know, he's he's got a lot of confidence. He's got a lot of, um, I guess, just drive to, to work every day, um, which is, you know, incredibly important. And, um, you know, he's – He's got a great hit tool, and and he's gonna keep hitting. I know he's struggling a little bit this year, but I, I you know, he's he's working hard, and um, you know, I have no doubt he's he's gonna have a good second half. All right, my last teammate question or or question about a player that isn't you, as we talked to Jackson Rutledge of the Nationals. I'm curious, put your GM hat on. It doesn't have to be an elite prospect; it could be, but o- other than the guys we talked about, so Wood and Hassel, like who's the guy that you've played with this year that you go? man, that guy should get more run or people should talk about that guy more. That guy's going to play in the big leagues, be a good major leaguer. Give us another name to look out for. I'll give you two. Um, I'll give you a position player and a, and a pitcher. Um, the pitcher is is the guy that just came up with me, Joel Pagaro. He, um, he's nasty. I mean, he throws 100. Um, he's got insanely long arms, and uh, he, he's going to be in the big league bullpen at some point this year, if I had to guess. Um, you know, we just – uh, sign him from the Rays, uh, and you know he, he he's just he's just got really good stuff, and he competes too. Um, and then the position player I'd say is uh, Jacob Young. Um, he's just I a love ball Jacob Young. Why does no one ever <laughs> rate him higher? <laughs> he's a ball player. I mean, he's not a big guy. He's um, he's really scrawny, but he gets the job done um, on the base paths, especially. Just creates havoc. Um, scores runs that that other guys don't. Um, and, you know, he, he, he's a guy who I would want as a winner. He, he's just, he's just a winner. Um, doesn't necessarily have the power, but, but competes every at bat puts pressure on guys. And, and that's something um, that I think is immeasurably important. I was tweeting about him literally last night. Like no one ever talks about him. He ne- he's not even in the top 30. I don't think in MLB pipeline and the org. 
And like you look at his, he he has scored as many runs last year as like Aaron Judge or something. It was ridiculous, yeah. like what he's done the last two seasons at the plate. And he played at Florida. It's not like you know he's some from some random guy. I don't know. I just I don't get. I guess it's his height because he's listed five ten, but I, he's shorter than that. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> maybe maybe a buck twenty, but <laughs> he hits, <laughs> he fields, and and he can run the bases. That's nice. Well, well, Jackson, one thing we like to do here on Bustin' Loose Baseball is let people know a little bit about you, the guy, as opposed to just a pitcher, as opposed to just a baseball player. So let's get to know you just a little bit off the field. So I'll start by asking you this, because we had Drew Millis on the podcast a little while ago. We found out he's into Pokemon cards and he <laughs> likes playing. Um, That's an understatement, the- Toby. He's <laughs> very into Pokemon cards. Yeah. I-, I forget the game he played. I, I forget, but... What's your off day activity? What do you like to do when you're just uh, figuring something out to do for the day? What are some hobbies that Jackson Rutledge likes? Well, the generic pitcher answer for me would be to golf. Um, I enjoy golf and I think every other pitcher in the world does. Um, but I'm also, uh, I'm a big foodie. Um, so I like to go wherever we're at and kind of find where the best restaurants are um, and kind of check those out. I like to cook on my off days if I can. Um, obviously a little hard in the hotel, but um i say that that's that's kind of my big thing um what's your best meal that you cook like if you're impressing a girl at the at the apartment or something what are you making um i've made some homemade pasta like like uh like fresh pasta um that i think is pretty good Um, my girlfriend's italian so i guess that kind (laughs) of that kind of works um and uh what's your favorite uh, food to eat when you go out if you're getting a nice meal if i'm getting a nice meal I, i gotta go with the steak um ribeye preferably of course Why any not? uh any minor league city stand out for food i mean you got some good ones any anything stand out immediately for restaurants honestly richmond overall had a had a pretty good food scene i'd say um and we were there just last week so so we enjoyed that what uh what are you what's your most prized possession do you have anything that you keep or like when, when you set up whenever you get to dc and you buy your your nice place in Scherzer's old neighborhood when you get your big contract and, and you get your man cave set up. Like what's something you can't wait to have displayed? I don't know about, I don't know about displayed. I think um, the thing that I take the most attention to and, and detail to is probably my car, my, my truck. Um, I'm a big, I'm a, I guess I'm a, I'm a big car guy. And so I definitely, uh, you know, once I uh, have the ability to, would love to have a, a, a cool car collection. Well, what's the truck that you're driving right now, then? Uh, I've got a Shelby F-150. Ooh. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty good. Have you always been a car fun. guy? Uh, Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Uh, how about bucket list thing you want to do with your buddies or maybe it's with your girl, like well, off-season, vacation, something like this? What, what does Jackson Rutledge want to do? Um... Well, I think actually we might be doing it this year is uh, this off season going to Italy and um, going to, you know, check out Rome and all that stuff. That's that's probably on the bucket list. And you mentioned you're a golfer. I'm a golfer as well. So any bucket list courses that you want to get to or any cool courses that you've gotten to play already? And I got to hear this. I actually haven't played that many cool courses and I need oh. to. But um, I'd say the, the the number one on the bucket list would be the old course, St. Andrews. Mm-hmm. Um that that's that's probably definitely on the goal sheet in the next few years are you good by the way like what's your handicap 
I'm like a 12 handicap. I'm I'm okay. You're pretty. <laughs> I good. definitely All got right. teammates that are uh, that are way better than me. Who, are who's you... the best uh, Nats like minor league golfer? Uh, probably Lucas Knowles. He um, I think in in high school he had more offers to play college golf than college baseball. No way. So, so if you go out with him, you want. You want him in your when you're playing best ball. You want him in your foursome. Oh yeah, big time. Are you, are you a bomber off the tee, being as tall as you are? <laughs> on a good day, yeah, um, yeah. It depends <laughs> on the day, but <laughs> I can get it out there. Well, Jackson, we can't keep you much longer, man. We appreciate the time. Thank you, and uh, best of luck getting going here in AAA. Hopefully, we'll be seeing you at Nats Park, coming over and saying what's up at the uh, locker very soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Jackson. Cool to have Jackson Rutledge on the podcast. Really, really good dude. I will say, Toby, he's a guy that I've known and kind of interacted with and interviewed dating back to when he was drafted. He has always been very accessible and accommodating and friendly. Uh, I just like the guy. I root for the guy, even when he was struggling. You know, you could just tell he's a good dude, and he he takes baseball seriously. I, I like him a lot. Yeah, it's awesome. He's been able to stay healthy. It looks like he's turned a corner, so hopefully we can see him with a big league club soon. Nats Phillies on the horizon, a three-game set coming up on the road at Citizens Bank Ballpark. What do you think? Well, we got some fun people to watch. You got Josiah Gray on the mound on Friday. You got Gore going the next day on Saturday, Trevor Williams on Sunday. So, I mean, you got good pitching matchups to watch. Obviously, it's fun anytime they're taking on the Phillies and the rivalry there. So, the Phillies have kind of turned it around a little bit, unlike other teams in the division looking at the New York Mets. They're actually competing now and sitting there uh, 10 games out of first place as we record this. So they're still at least competing and kind of turning things around a little bit. So I'm excited to see how they stack up against the Phillies. It's kind of been a rough month for the Nationals overall, but they've put two good series together, getting series Ws. And, you know, Grant, we've gone, what, 91, 92 straight series without a sweep? How awesome would a sweep be in Philadelphia and that streak? Sign me up for that and make sure Bryce Harper's got a front row seat. Uh, You guys know the drill. You listen to the pod. We give you two a week. We want you to subscribe and rate and review and do all those podcasty things. And please leave a comment after ideally a five-star review. And we are not above this. We will read your comment. We will shout you out right here on Bustin' Loose Baseball. So just this week, we got this comment from Minishwin, who says, best podcast for Nats baseball. This may be one of my personal favorite podcasts ever since I was told about it late last season. Grant and the crew know the Nats and their fans, and they know what they want to hear, and they don't disappoint when it comes to delivering it. I w- It was a lonely beginning of the season, but I'm stoked that they're back to a regular upload schedule. P.S. Love G&D. And then he says P.P.S. What does P.P.S. stand for? I always know that that's after the P.S. But is it like post-P.S.? I would guess so. And what is P.S.? Postscript, I think. There you go. Postscript, post postscript. This is why Toby has brought his A game and has improved this pod. He has answers to my questions. Uh, PPS, if this is being read on the show, which it is, I want to congratulate my brother Paul and his wife Ashley on the new baby Harper. He's been filling her ears with this stuff, so hopefully she grows up to be a diehard Nats fan like her father. Interesting. A Nats fan's going with the name Harper. I like that. Uh, he probably had that idea several years ago and it's just stuck to the script. But it's a round cool of name. applause for baby Harper. Very, very cool. Congratulations. 
See, we're not above shouting out relatives and wishing them congratulations as well. We do what we got to do. That that's absolutely. That's Even if the kid's name is Harper and he's not here anymore, uh, we're gonna have a baby named Soto getting shouted out next week. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, nine months from now, there's gonna be a lot of lanes born in mm-hmm. Washington D.C. I think that's the big name right now. Or uh, what else? We you could go McKenzie's. We're having a baby girl. I'm having a, a baby. Uh, Hopefully not while I'm in Seattle at the All-Star festivities. That would be a terrible thing. We're supposed to have our baby at the start of August, end of July. But we're going with McKinley. Not McKenzie, McKinley. But uh, it's close enough to McKenzie, right? Yeah, sure. Close enough. And, uh, I mean, I don't know how much people notice this because I write about it all the time and tweets and different things. How perfect is McKenzie Gore's name that it is capital M-A-C, capital K-E-N-Z-I-E. That's perfect for a pitcher, capital K. Love it. Can't spell McKenzie without the front words K, right? Love it. For producer Darius and Toby, I'm Grant saying so long. We're going to be back at it on Monday when we record our new pod. Remember to check in on Tuesdays and on Thursdays, typically. We get the podcast out for you. Thanks so much for listening to Bustin' Loose Baseball.